Hi, my name is Beth Anderson, and my law firm is Anderson Law PC. And this podcast is about those transitions in life, um, be it divorce or death or anything that happens to your family where changes happen. I always think of families like trees. It's not just a circle and a stick. It is a unique, asymmetrical shape and everyone's different. And that's how families are as well. Everyone is different, but they're all still a family, just like a tree is still a tree. So if you're going through one of those transitions, we are your dissolution angels, I call us, and your crossroads crew, because you're not just breaking up, you're breaking upward. So that's me and my law firm practices family law, trust and estates, elder law, and probate. And we're happy to address those issues. But I am just, I think I can say thrilled to have our guest today, Serena Masterson. Do I have your name right? Yes. And she is what I call an overcomer, um, a very successful woman works at a bank doing well and has an amazing story you're going to want to hear about and she's also an author what's the name of your book i am serena yeah so um let's just get right into it serena and um just in a nutshell i'd like you to summarize your story because it's almost something that's beyond belief but i've done my research and i've been able to back up everything that you say and that this is a true story and um so let's just get right into it and have you give us a little background about yourself and your story all right your journey so in 1955, I was born, and my father, who was the head of a satanic cult, was approached by the CIA to contract his firstborn child to their program called MKUltra. It was a program designed to find a way through a person's mind so that they could control them completely. They brought over Nazi officials and doctors from the concentration camps who had experimented on people to see that they could, too, have a way to control one human being completely. It affected two million Americans and Canadians, and I was one of them. My journey, to say the least, was long and very, very difficult. I was diagnosed in 1992 with DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder. I was a multiple personality. I had 327 named personalities. They were as real to me as any other person, as real as you sitting across from the table, but anybody else did not see them. It's what saved my life. The ability to dissociate in the face of unimaginable trauma and abuse is what kept me alive. And so my story starts off explaining MKUltra a bit and then shares with the audience why it's important that I tell how I recovered. I met a woman, her name was Norma Delaney. Today is her two-year anniversary of her passing. And she worked with me outside of the box and taught me how to breathe and connect to my inner wisdom, my true essence. She helped me to realize what was real versus what was the fantasy that I lived in. Her compassion and her unending love and her huge commitment to me is what made the difference. And so after 35 years between psychotherapy and the work that she did with me, I am today a fully integrated woman and I love myself and I'm on a continuing adventure of discovery of who I am. Thanks, yeah, very well put. And um, my initial reaction hearing your story is, oh, I'm so sorry that anyone had to go through that and how appalling that something like this would happen to a child. But over time, and I did read your book, I just saw this as a happy story. Mm-hmm. What shocked me when I read your book is not what happened to you and the unique story that is yours. It's so unusual, Let, you know, just almost no one has this story. But what shocked me is how it inspired me in my more mundane life, you might say, or less unusual, the things that have happened to me, that if she can overcome and do so well with what she went through, it really inspired me that 
I can do these things too and tap into that energy to prevail, to help others. And so I highly, highly recommend that book. I read it to prepare for this podcast, but I got so much more than I anticipated. It's very well written. It's very inspiring. And even though your story is not our story for almost all of us, it does inspire. So what I'd like to get to next is um, why is this a happy story after all you went through? You know, I've had more than one person say it's a love story because it opens the door to a world that I never knew existed. It's a world of self-love and compassion. And you see, when Norma Delaney introduced me to this energy, it was my soul energy. And the miracle is you don't have to believe in a soul. You can read this book and discover what is your essence? What is this authentic self that you are? Not the trained mind that we all learn in society. I learned an extreme trained mind, but we all run with this mass consciousness of I should do better. What's the matter with me if I only? We don't learn about how to love ourselves when we have a wounding, a heartbreak, or trauma. We all grit our teeth, tense our muscles, and hang on and hope that it'll just go away. But you see, it doesn't go away. And so why it's a happy story is each and every trauma that I had was brought back into me, into my energy, and added to this essence of who I am. And it healed. And so I'm not walking around as a wounded survivor. I'm walking around as an alive, grateful human being. You know, I look at other human beings with such compassion. I look at my children, and they all are in varying degrees of adulthood and struggling with life. And there's never a thought of they need to be different. What's the matter with them? Instead, I celebrate them and see them as wonderful miracles. But that's what I I learned, and she helped me tap into within me. So tell us a little bit about Norma. What was her professional background before you met her? Well, she was a mass. She had master's degrees in um, architecture and building, and I not. I don't think in architecture, but she was very accomplished. Um, but she is always this very intuitive person. She didn't know it. But for instance, when she'd go out on a fishing boat with all these men, she'd be the only one to catch a huge mackerel that was maybe five feet long. And she was only five feet two. Oh, that's great. And all the other men would be so angry with her. Well, she always had this energy about her. And so in 1992, she was a multimillionaire married to this man and she lost all of her millions and ended up on the island of Kauai. And Kuan Yin, who is the goddess of compassion, came to her. Of course, she had crossed over. And she taught Norma how to breathe and how to connect to her own essence and wisdom. So was Norma a therapist or a nope. psychologist? Nope. I th- All this time I thought she was. No. Because you two got connected. And I always think of Helen Keller and Annie Sullivan, I think mm-hmm. is the name of her teacher, how it was an ongoing relationship that mm-hmm. she healed you. How? I mean, you lived together. She, we lived together two weeks at two different times, yes. Okay. Once in California when I became so destabilized after I had been working and we had been together for quite a few years. She took me in because she knew I was very unsafe, that parts of me were looking to kill me. And then when she and Garrett moved out here to Colorado, I lived with them for two weeks until they found me the little house that I live in even now. Oh, that's so great. You have that connection. Yes, but she never relied on training. She relied on this guidance from higher consciousness. And it was always this flow of awareness that came from the essence of her and Kuan Yin and my soul. My soul would come forward into the front of the body and guide her on what she needed to do with me. 
Are you comfortable talking about some of the process she engaged in with sure. you? So um, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about your Anything. relationship with having a multiple personality. I always think of that time. You, It's in your book that you were in Target and yes. um, a childlike personality was in Target. But so you, you say childlike. For yeah. me, it was a four-year-old little boy. Right. Absolutely. His name was Robbie. And he came forward into the body of a 41-year-old woman. And he raced up and down the aisles of Target yelling, come see the toys because my sons were with me. Now, yeah. the switch was so complete that no one experienced an adult woman body. It was a little boy of four years old who was absolutely thrilled to be in the aisles of the toys. And he wanted those three boys who belonged to Serena or Sabina at the time, because it was oh, Sabrina, that's cute. Yeah. to come and play with him. Which makes sense because that is what a four-year-old does and they are thinking mm -hmm. maybe these boys at that time were older and he's like, yep. I want the cool kids to come check out the toys with me and we can play. Yes, yes. So when you're a multiple personality like I was, the dissociation, the walls between the different personalities was so complete that whenever someone was in the body, all the other parts of me never knew that there was someone there. Right. It makes sense. The way you describe it, you're such a good writer, and the way you described it Thank in your you. book, it, it, I was there with you. And then you talked about your boys' faces. Oh, they were so embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. Which, as a mother of three boys, that I'm familiar with that expression. <laughs> and so, um, you know, yeah. that's understandable, and that that hurt you because you didn't see that reaction coming well, because they, it's Robbie. They were struggling with the reality that their mom wasn't always who they thought their mom was. And so they saw me switching, and now they had people with names saying, hey, I'm Toby, hey, I'm Charlotte, hey, I'm Penelope or Roberta or whomever. And they had a really hard time with it. Kids are intuitive and they're so plugged into their parents that mm -hmm. they know you better than you know yourself in some ways because they are very keyed in. So mm -hmm. I bet they picked up on a lot of things pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. 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 And they were torn. Yeah. They tried to help. Yeah. But they didn't have the capacity. I thought of you. I was watching this series. I forget the type of animation it uses, but it's where they draw over live action and it's called Undone. I think the director or the lady that wrote it, her name is Kate Purdy. And um, I guess it's a spoiler alert, but there's a reunification of all the selves mm -hmm. of this character who as a child had extreme trauma. Mm -hmm. And they show them coming to her, all the different ages and embracing. And I thought, oh, I would love for Serena to see this. It reminds me mm -hmm. of the integration of your personalities yes. through Norma. Yeah. And it was just such a beautiful image, very well done. And and um, that's kind of the story of well, your Norma book. Norma said, integration means into the greatness of me. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? It really is. So and as that this comfort. wounded person, all this energy was outside of my body. My soul energy was not in my body. And those parts would come into the front of the body, but nobody claimed the body. And so as I started to integrate, those parts of me would come into the body, into this energy, this essence of me, which added to me. Yeah, <laughs> I just love it. And we all do that to a degree. We have yes. that stern judgmental voice from who knows where that comes from within us and it's quite shocking the way that we talk to ourselves sometimes it's cruel it's absolutely yeah. cruel yeah In and that's the thing that i had to learn and choose that was a key factor i had to choose to stop beating me up and judging me that was a part of the healing for me because as long as I judged myself or judged something that I had done or witnessed or participated in, I was stuck. I could not integrate that aspect of me. If you were judgmental of that personality, then you could not integrate mm -hmm. that personality. Mm -hmm. Did it 
this is kind of a weird question, but would that personality be judgmental of Serena? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yes. There were many times in the beginning for the first few years, they wanted Norma. Like Robbie and Toby both wanted to live had, with Norma. Yeah, I kind of do too, actually. Oh, She's yeah. very endearing in the book. She's a very <laughs> loving, compassionate woman. And she was always gentle with all of the children of me, all of the parts I of me. I know. It's when the monsters came out, she was very firm, but she was very clear with them. But she was always compassionate. And compassionate doesn't mean you're always nice. It means you're honest and gentle, but firm. Right, like we know those figures from our childhood that they had boundaries and they didn't tolerate certain behaviors, but the love would shine through, so you that's, always yeah, felt safe with them. Authentic compassion, yes. Gotcha. So can you talk with some specificity about how she might integrate someone like Robbie or help you with the healing? Mm -hmm. So when we met, she didn't even know what integration was, but higher consciousness was always leading us. And so in the beginning, she would say, you can go with the angel, because I was in no place, no emotional place to integrate. So in the beginning, it was like all of these parts of me were sitting with my soul energy until I began to become so grounded, began to choose to love me, and then it was this conscious choice to bring home these parts of me. So even now, I have memory come up. For instance, uh, the other day I was breathing, and all of a sudden I saw me at two and a half years old. And you see, today I see me. I don't see another child, because I never, forever, it seemed like, oh, it was somebody else. But now oh, I see Oh, that's interesting. Me. You saw an image of, of Robbie or, or Charlotte or, or an aunt. Or, I remember. Or an aunt <laughs> or a monster or mm -hmm. a toggle bolt because I was so dissociative. So Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I saw me at two and a half with my mother and she was in a department store holding my hand and I walked by a mannequin. Now at two and a half, I wanted to die. I was filled with so much pain, and I let go of my mother's hands, and I wrapped my arms around the mannequin and laid my head on the mannequin and closed my eyes, and I went into the mannequin, and I switched, and my soul brilliance put that child to sleep. And so when my mother grabbed my hand and said, come with me, it was a new child walking with her. And so I was able to breathe with that part of me that had been asleep for 66 years, 65 years. Do you still get triggered sometimes? Very, very, very rarely, you know. Um, it can happen once in a blue moon. I was watching a movie and all of a sudden, when it was an Asian movie, and all of a sudden the guy cut off the other guy's head and I was like, and that was so real because yeah. of what I'd gone through. Yeah, I had to stop the movie and take care of me. And Movies breathe. can be so oh. triggering. They really take you into that moment and your body. And there and was no kind of warning. There, right, yeah. In this movie. And mm -hmm. I just, and I was just like, whoa. And I put my arms around yeah. me and I just, I breathed and I looked around the room to remind me where I was at. And I invited all that energy that had just reacted to come home. You know, I may have memory the rest of my life. Sure. And many, like I'm thinking of myself, I have had assaults in my life. And I've been watching a movie and I got triggered now that you mention it. And I've had to leave the movie, maybe go to the bathroom sobbing or vomiting or something mm -hmm. like that. And it just, it, because it comes so quickly, you're not ready. Oh, no. In fact, oh, it no. happened not that long ago to me. And it wasn't even the violence, it was the reaction to the violence. Was mm -hmm. That was a new thing I hadn't seen in a movie before and I got yes. triggered. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or I may watch a movie or something and it's not that assaultive, but all of a sudden I notice I'm hurting in my body and I'm like, whoa, where did this come from? And I'll stop and I'll sense and I'll oh, something about that movie brought up something. And it's an ache inside of me. And so I, I take the time for me, you know? That's the key. Can you sit with the pain and love you and breathe 
Yeah, I understand. And just um, I was working on a journaling exercise where you write things down without judging them. Mm-hmm. Well, emotions came up and my initial reaction was, oh, I shouldn't. That's judging to have an emotion. And then I'm like, no, wait a minute. The emotion is allowed. Like I might say this happened and it made me angry or this happened and I was upset. And even writing about it, I'm upset now. And I judged my emotion. And I guess I've been doing that my whole life. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize until I journaled it that I labeled emotional responses as those are in and of themselves judgment. Yes, see, but the difference is now, Beth, I can go, hmm, and stop and sense and go, oh, okay. And so it's not the emotion that is not okay. Right. It's can you observe it and love you because the emotion is connected to memory and beliefs. It's when you feel something that it's authentic in this present moment. When you have an emotion, it's connected to your memory. And if you can sit still, because all of us have aspects. Yes. We have aspects of personality, aspects of trauma and woundings, and our heartbreaking. Can we sit and allow that part of us to come home? And to accept those emotions without yes. judgment yes. is the non judgmental part. Even the rage and the anger. I had unbelievable rage. Well, it's understandable after the violence that you went through. From the time I was three days old? Yes. And just to be mm-hmm. literally an experiment and that your mm-hmm. parents who are charged with your caretaking oh. would use you in that way. Mm-hmm. And other children I've seen in my law practice even and, and, and to be so abused by their own parents who are charged with their caretaking and they're the instrument of such mm-hmm. destruction it would cause rage and then I'm enraged that um, from the research I did that the CIA did worry about mind control and they obviously were not concerned about who contracted with them and how far they nope. took it there was no monitoring nope. there was they went a- to prisons and universities and a lot with LSD. Oh, yes, I know. I've had LSD. I've had many, many drugs in my body, and I've been Even when you were a child? Oh, yes. Ugh. Yeah. It's, I told you about this, and it's not a show that you would watch, but um, Stranger Things, and I think her name's yes. Eleven, and she's such a heroic character. And really, what she goes through in that television mm-hmm. program, you literally went through some of that. Yes, I did. Which I thought was preposterous like when I saw deprivation it. chambers and spinning chambers and I know, it's just, it's hard to even talk about. No, it's, you know, it's, unfortunately, it's the truth. And it took years for me to just come to accept it's the truth. Not only happened to me, and that these people, these adults, are severely wounded human beings that are doing it to others, you know? Yeah, I guess we got so caught up in the mind control race on the heels of World War II that we thought Mm -hmm. this is what we owe our country to be on top of that. And where, but we all know what's inhumane, Mm -hmm. I believe. We all do. But look at the concentration camps the Japanese had, the Germans had. Look at the Korean War. I mean, I was taught Korean. I was, I had a Korean girl in my system. So um, the government does not see us as human beings. They see us as subjects that they can do experiments on because they want to be the strongest country in the world and control the world. And it's a very distorted, fear-based way of being. I mean, I think we now have some protections for children that maybe things get better, but humans are humans. For time immemorial, there's always been cruelty, depravity. It's I don't see that it will end. It's out well, there. Well, it's part of what this planet's about. It's the yin, yin, yin and the yang, the dark and the light. And so this planet is a planet of full expression, and you could get to do whatever you want 
because you as a sovereign being get to make a choice. Do you want to do the light or do you want to do the dark? I think of um, the world sometimes because it's not a just world in many ways and no. it it's not a logical world in many ways. It's got pain, but the way I think about it is if you wanted to create like a laboratory where you can create things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, music, art, all these amazing things, we are that environment. We create all those beautiful things when you have humans interacting in the environment of life, of the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's how I get my head around it is, yeah. Well done. If you want to create people who are loving, who have the options for being kind, controlling themselves, being artists like the Seelies who are editing this and recording this, they're artists. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that something that mm-hmm. creatures like us can get to do that? That's just how I think about it. I don't but know see, what you that's think. That's how we get to choose, though. And when I met Norma, I had no idea how to choose. She'd say, do you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a chicken sandwich? And i go, I don't care. And she'd go, I need you to choose, please. And I didn't want to choose. It's too scary because you become traumatized and making a choice is punished either way. So people get to a space where they cannot choose. And by the way, you know who has that? Many of my clients. Because if they come come from an abusive relationship, they're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And they can't make a choice. And I had a client say... Um, And I'll never tell personal stories about my clients, but it's just a quote, and she wouldn't mind me sharing it, that she said, I'm not going to date after my divorce until I know what kind of ice cream I like and how I like my eggs done. Because when I make eggs, I just make them the way everyone else in the family wants their eggs. And when I buy ice cream, I just buy the ice cream that everyone else likes to eat. And I just thought that was such a funny way to express but it's true you know when a woman marries a man and then she has children she loses herself and it is about discovery all of us get to discover what do we like what do we want do I want to stay in rage at my father people say well why don't you sue the government because I don't choose to go that path but see it took years for me because like your clients I was trained Don't ever ask for anything. Don't choose. Do not fight us or you will pay. And so today, the fact that I get to choose what I want to wear, I get to choose where I want to work, I get to choose to be a creator in my life. I'm no longer a victim in any area of my life. And that's a miracle. It is a miracle, and I'm here to tell you a lawsuit would never give you that. That's no no amount of money. No, you see, I know I chose this lifetime. Now, a lot of people will scoff at that, but I did. I wanted to awaken to all that this world has to offer in light and dark. And you talked about the difference between fear and discernment, so help Mm -hmm. me with that. So fear when a lion approaches and you get afraid is a very healthy fear. If you are approached by someone who has a a knife drawn and you get afraid, that's a healthy fear. It's the discernment. There is a, when you are grounded in your body and you are the authentic self, you can discern between the fear that is healthy to help you and the fear that is cruel and there to pump adrenaline into your body. I never experienced the healthy fear because from the time I was three days old, I was tortured. And so I experienced a fear that was exaggerated. You know, Norma would say to me, Serena, we're talking about you and your fear your anger, your rage. Most people do not experience the level of emotion that you did. Um, I'll give you an example. Last week, I had dealt with this company that had charged me at $755 for a mistake I made. And I took full responsibility for it. And 
they called me the next week and said we I owed them $800 and I went into such rage and I had to get off the phone and I stood there and I breathed and I realized it was a trigger memory that had come up for integration and so I breathed and understood the level of rage that I had was nothing like what most people have with rage my rage was so white with anger no conscience no anything and I had to stand there and breathe and thank that company silently within me thank you for having this phone call because you brought up this rage that was in my body waiting to be integrated so the fear and the rage that I lived with was so over the top but when you can discern not from your mind but from an observing place this is to help me how can I do this to love me what is for my highest good you don't have to be in reaction anymore you know can you respond ably to a difficult circumstance when someone cuts you off not intentionally but because they aren't paying attention can you take a breath and come back down into your body you know that's how we discern and help ourselves Yes, yeah, so that's something that is separate from that kind of unreasonable fear that holds us back or causes mm-hmm. us to act out and hurt mm-hmm. other people possibly. Yes, because we've all got these woundings that we've had as a kid growing up. And so when we react, it's because of some memory within us that's triggering us and pushing us to push back at another human being. But when you heal those traumas, you don't react that way anymore. You respond naturally because you don't have all these bruises, internal bruises going on. Right. And I like how you just, I have a white hot rage and there's no shame. There's no judgment. It's just, that was my emotion. It's okay to have. Mm -hmm. And then um, it's just the way you choose to comport yourself to address it. You know, when they would strap me in a chair and they would strap every part of my body so I could not move and they'd tape my eyes open and then they'd electrocute me and all these kind of things and the rage that would come up white hot rage with no conscience and all I wanted to do was kill them that's understandable it is understandable sure you're fighting for your survival what ages were you when that kind of thing was happening Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, oh. 10, 11, 12, all the way up. Oh my gosh, starting at just a little child. Oh, I was, at two months old, I was electrocuted and I died the first time because they put too much voltage in my body. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's just such. And in my a book, there isn't that much memory. It's more about the journey with Norma. Yeah. There's no cult memories in my book because it's so dark that I would not put any of that in my well, book. Well, it would be a salacious book, which I'm sure people like to get into. And it does oh, make yeah. your situation unique that it was such a marked amount of abuse and the fact that. Mm-hmm. Your mind is strong enough to splinter into different personalities and switch. I always attribute what people call a mental illness to a very strong mind because that's the mind's fight to Mm -hmm. survive. Circumstances that no one should have to be in often. See, and I see it as this essence of who we are is more than just the mind. It is this higher consciousness of who we are. And that is what uses the mind to split these personalities. That makes sense. And when this higher consciousness then had to undo all of this that had been created to keep me alive and sane, the mind could never have figured it out step by step. But this soul energy, this brilliant wisdom, always knew the next step. I always saw myself as this humongous ball of interwoven rubber bands, and each rubber band was so taut, and if one rubber band broke, the whole thing would explode. And yet this soul wisdom that loved me so much could take one piece of a rubber band and pull it out and say, let's look at this little piece 
so we can help you. You know, I had so much trauma around food. I was starved for the first five years of my life. And so slowly, gently over time. So when I was working with Norma and I was living in my little house in Evergreen, I was told, eat whatever you want. And I got up to 250 pounds. But it wasn't the the weight that mattered. It was, could I learn to eat food without having so much trauma around it? And so if I wanted to eat five chocolate chip cookies, I ate five chocolate chip cookies. Now it took years for me from going from starvation to overeating and the swinging back and forth because I had anorexia as well to finding this place of could I eat because I love me? Could I have satisfaction and let my tummy feel full? It was an adventure and that was one thing that had to be revisited numerous and numerous times to heal. And such patience to heal each part of you. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And for listeners, you're a healthy weight. You're not no, two hundred pounds. Weight. Yeah, no, I'm no yeah, longer very no. Attractive I, I'm healthy woman. A very healthy woman. I'm <laughs> yeah. sixty-seven years old, and I'm the healthiest I've ever been. That's great, and just you have a joyfulness that come that exudes from you, which I like to be around. Oh, it's such a gratitude that I'm alive, Beth. I'm alive. I'm glad you're alive, and that and they couldn't take you down. All of these forces against you, that is a testament to the strength of the human spirit that despite every effort from all the powers that could harm a child, they did not succeed. No. They did not succeed. Look at all the, the Jews that were in concentration camps and lived healthy lives. Or look at the, the men in POW camps across the world. And then they come out and they live a life. The human spirit is so strong. But when we're wounded as children, we have this victim identity. That's why it was key and essential for me to have my name changed. So instead of being Jennifer, the victim, I became Serena Faith Masterson. And I learned who I was in truth. And now I know that I'm also Jennifer. And all the 327 other names that I had, I'm all of those names, for I am the more. Right. I'm not the yeah. small. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, a full self and, mm-hmm. and just so much to offer going forward. We talked about fear and discernment, and um, we were going to touch on that um, there was a time in your life when you had an experience many of our clients do where you were in a domestic violence shelter. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? You know, in my journey, I had married a man who was abusive, who was very wounded. And I was married for three years and three months, and I had three sons. And I called the shelter about two weeks before I left him, and I was telling them about him and how he was emotionally, not physically, but emotionally abusive to the point where we didn't even have food for my babies and me. And they said to me, he will not change. And I said, oh, well, yes, he will, yes, he will. And they said, no. And so I got off the phone. And this multiple personality that I was, there was always this deep connection to God. And those parts said, God, show me the way. And two weeks later, just an innocent thing, I said, please don't take all all that food for lunch. I need to feed the babies. And my ex-husband threw his lunch across the room into the kitchen wall and he left and in that moment I knew it was time to leave and I called the shelter and I packed up and I was there for two or three weeks I really can't remember a lot of it because of how dissociative I was but I had an attorney and she started the process of divorce and she helped me get on my feet and they helped me realize I could do it you know And the I that was present was all the different mothers because there were numerous mothers that cared for the boys. And of course, I wasn't diagnosed in 1985, but they helped me feel safe enough to start the process to disentangle myself from my ex-husband and that life that I had with him. And it was profound. 
So you went through some tough times, not only with all of these wounds of childhood, but even in your motherhood <laughs> yes. that um, you had at times when you weren't with your sons and, and went I've through the experienced shelter. every single thing a human being can experience on this planet. I think that that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. knew the whole story, it's my book covers a drop of my I experience. believe it because, it, yes. yeah, like you said, it focuses on the positive and the recovery mm-hmm. and the new journey ahead and, mm-hmm. and touches on the other things, but not in an exploitive way not in a dwelling on it way Um, it's it's written with the passion of you too can have this you don't have to have as much wounding as I had but you can have the healing you don't have to walk around emotionally crippled and in pain anymore so what would be advice you would give to someone who might now be going through the toughest journey of his or her life maybe or their life maybe um going through domestic violence really on either side or sometimes it's both sides maybe not having the parenting time they want um people who had a childhood of severe abuse that serena's had like what kind of advice do you have for people in those struggles oh take a breath take a deep breath in through your nose and exhale it through your nose put your arms around you Being a human being is the hardest thing that any one of us can do. And no one really talks about it. You know, especially right now, this time on our planet is highly charged. It's like everyone is like putting one foot in front of the other. So instead of beating yourself up, can you love yourself? Read my book not because it's going to fix you, but it's going to open a window of realization. It isn't from beating yourself up because you have to do better. You've done the best you can up to this point. And many of your listeners will go, oh, that's not true. But it really is. When a husband and a wife get together and they don't make it, it's not because they didn't want to. It's because they both are wounded. I don't care how angry the partners are. I understand. Let yourself go through the journey. Yeah, I see that a lot in my cases that often people, well, first of all, I don't think you fail at relationships. I think relationships are teaching us about life and how Mm -hmm. to relate to each other and how to relate to ourselves. And there's no grade, like an A or an F. I just don't see it that way. And the more I practice family law and do divorce, the more I see it, like I said, it's a breakup, but it could be a breaking upward. So for sure, yes. I do see that all the time and in, in, in the way that we do beat ourselves up. And then I think of you when I stop and take a breath sometimes because mm-hmm. you said, oh, Um, Norma told you take a deep breath and you're why do I forget to take a breath and we all do that like why do I forget to turn to for me maybe prayer or my meditation or taking a breath like it just slips your mind and then you get immersed right when you're in a stressful situation think about it when do we get taught as a little person oh you're afraid it's okay breathe with me right now. they do now they, they do, do teach now. that in schools and the new generations i think are addressing right. things that we did not address no. in my generation so um i think we're getting a little better we are a lot better not a little okay. i have people all over the world telling me how my book has helped them it's it's a remarkable journey because my book is in um, polish Romanian and Spanish and coming out in Italian. People all over the world deal in trauma the same way. They grit their teeth, they hold their breath, they clench their muscles. And that's the opposite because that stops that natural flow coming into our bodies. Well, and just the mind itself, when you take that moment to breathe deeply and pause or journal, it breaks up that destructive thought pattern or that Mm. fight flight or freeze reaction it literally Mm -hmm. disrupts it so um it's even scientific but yes i mean i personally agree with you that you deeply go into a soul space that transcends Mm -hmm. 
and our so you own don't understanding. have to believe in soul, but you are physicality and energy, and that energy is where your power your brilliance, your wisdom lies. And if you're willing to come into your body below where your belly button is, into that belly area energetically and connect there, you can begin to feel safe. I never knew what safe was. I do today. That's so beautiful. And my mom would say, trust your gut. And that's the space you're describing. And I've had so many people tell me over the years, oh, that gut of yours, it seems pretty spot on. You should trust your gut. And um, isn't it interesting that whether they call it chi or your description, it's that piece of your intuition, which is your knowing outside of the mind. Yes. And then I would love to, after what you told us about your sons and Norma, just, you know, to the extent you're comfortable, just give us a little update about them, (laughs) given that people are curious and about yourself. Well, the miracle is I'm very close to two of my sons. Um, They're both doing wonderfully. My other son is taking a time out with me because he's pretty mad at me, but he knows I love him. Um, My sister and I have started talking where she can hear me because she's very wounded still has some real pain and the miracle is I was able to talk to her this last weekend and I shared with her I said you know you don't get to pick and choose what happened to you your soul was intent on staying alive and sane and she was like oh wait I gotta write that down And so, you know, I've been talking to my daughter-in-law and my son, the one that's mad at me, saw that I sent them a package. And he was like, is that from my mother? And my daughter-in-law said, yes. And he goes, okay, good. And so my love for my sons is a love that's honoring where they're at. I don't need them to be what I need them to be anymore, what my mind used to tell me. I work full-time as a consumer lending officer you know, I do podcasts. Um, I met with a psychologist today and we're getting a workshop going to get together so that we can travel the country and teach therapists and psychologists how to work with severely traumatized people. I love that. That's so yes. great. Congratulations on yes. that. Yeah, I just think it's great that there is a light for people that are struggling through those family issues. And also it isn't a fairy tale where it's and they lived happily ever after. The issues with our children and grown children and periods Mm -hmm. of estrangement and closeness are so common and people don't talk about it. Well, you know, I, everyone at the bank knows, all of my customers, 99% of them. I met with a mortgage broker yesterday and we were having lunch and I said, oh yeah, I'm an author. And I told him all my story. And he was so, he was the first man that said, and so do you have physical relationships with men? And I said, you know, I'm not there yet. I haven't had a relate. I don't like online. I don't trust meeting a man that way. And I know that if I am going to have a relationship, I will meet them one-on-one. And that was an exciting question to have. Yeah. But you see, I don't hide anymore. I go to chamber meetings and everybody knows about me. It's a remarkable freedom that I have. Now, do people know what I've been through? Not really. Some A lot do, and you're very transparent. I'm transparent, transparent. and you're more than I am, and I think just maybe the ages of my kids and, and also just in my profession, I have some boundary. I'm very discreet sometimes about what I share about my own journey, which there's no comparison, but we each have something. And that's what I tell people, Beth. Do not compare my journey to yours. You have had the worst pain in your life. That is what matters. Can you sit in the presence of your pain and breathe? And on my website, IamSerena.net, they can go in and listen to breathing sessions for free. And I just think of something that my office manager, her name's Rosie, and yeah. um, she said that um, you know, pain, pain is pain, and you, there's no comparison. It's if right. you're in pain, you're in pain. And I like That's how she put that. Absolute. And so I don't want people to compare their pain to mine. And people do all the time. Oh well, I never, I haven't been through. No, but you've been through your pain. Can you love you enough? 
to stop and turn around and face yourself. We were going to get an update a little bit more about Norma. I know she passed Today on. is her second year anniversary of her passing. Yes. Wow. So are you memorializing it anyway? We are doing no, this podcast. I, you know, I'm very intuitive, so I can speak to her. I speak to entities that have crossed over. And so last night I was driving home and I said, so mom, because she's my mom. I said, For sure. What would you like me to do for your anniversary? And she laughed and she said, you are doing it, Serena. You're alive and you are celebrating your life. We have every day that we loved each other. That's all that matters. And her birthday is next Friday. She would have been 85 years old. Wow. And you see, her death was a part of her commitment to me, for she manifested death so that I could see what real death was, not the trauma that I had experienced in the cult and the government. And so the person that I was two years ago when my book came out, I've changed so much. I imagine death was held over you almost like a threat. Not almost. It was constantly I witnessed death all the time. They used it as a threat against you. Yes. Not almost. That makes sense. I said to my sister, do you remember how I hated you all the time? She goes, oh, yes. And I said, because you were a pawn. If I didn't do this, you would be killed. She goes, that happened to me too, Serena. And I go, Oh, I know. But when I was that little person, I didn't know it. They said, I will kill your mother or your sister if you don't do A, B, and C. That's interesting because in the sex trafficking industry, that's what they do to the girls they recruit. Yes. Um, Is they'll say, I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to kill your friend if you don't. Pedophiles do the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, back to about Norma. I was using it in juxtaposition that death was used as a threat and a negative to you, but she embodied the peaceful, more oh, you know, healthier video. way. I have a video of her two weeks before she died, and, she, and I took the video, and I said, tell me how much you love me. And here's this frail, skinny lady with hardly any hair oh, left. Oh, how cute. She had cancer, and she said... I've loved you for so long, I don't know how long is. And she said, when you and I became together. Crossing your fingers. And she crossed her fingers. And it is so precious. And I sat down beside her, and I was doing the video this way. And she said, we will always be together. And no matter how frail and deteriorated her body became, her eyes glistened with this alive love for me. That's just so beautiful and, yeah, for sure not cute, the cancer piece, but just that she had that video sharing your love. And I I feel like Norma is the mother of all mothers because she gave yes. birth over 327 times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's oh, kind of yes. how I see her through your descriptions. You know, she sat and she rocked me and rocked all those children. She'd hold Robbie and she'd hold Toby. Yeah, and the language she would use, like, do you want to go to the angel? And they would say, mm-hmm. okay. And mm-hmm. and that was part of the integration process. So gentle because she was dealing with children. And also that I imagine their ages correlated to times when you experienced trauma in oh, your life. Oh, yes. And they'd wake up in that trauma in Ugh. that year. And she'd have to... I'm here, I, some, many more than once, she'd have a, somebody running for the door, and she was always shorter than me by four inches. And she'd grab them by the, the shirt collar yeah. around the waist, and she'd go, I'm here, I'm here, look around. You're not in the cult. You're not in yeah. the government. I'm here. And she'd hold that part of me. Yeah. Like she said, do you know what real is? Like yes. this couch is real. Yeah, and it's interesting with the work they're doing now of memory, where our memories do reinvent themselves when we revisit. You know, it's just a lot of studying we're doing now oh, that our mind so plays tricks. That's what PTSD is. I had severe PTSD. I would know somebody was walking in the room, and they'd walk in the room, and I'd let out a blood-curdling scream. And she'd say, 
Come here, look around the room, rub your legs, rub the upholstery, feel that's the That's what they do say with a panic attack or splash yes. water on your face and yes. just Yes, and that's, back. you know, she'd help me because I'd be at work and all of a sudden, <laughs> and I'd have yeah. to go in the bathroom. She'd go, run the, your hands Breathe. under the water, put your, put water on your face and breathe, Serena. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you have any concluding thing you want to say? I just, I want to invite everyone, whether they read my book or not, that the healing comes through the choice to come back to self, to look in the mirror and consciously say, I love you, me, and point and touch and speak out loud and breathe. Running from your fears, running from your memories does not work. Sometime, someday, you will get tired and then you will stop. But this choice to come home to self is the greatest love story you will ever discover. And it will touch and transform not only you, but everyone around you. Yeah, it's so beautifully said and and something to think about that self-compassion and just not numbing the pain and yes. trying to escape it because you can't and no, life and is that's, hard that's the hard thing is and everybody has to have their journey of discovering that oh it doesn't work our pain correlates to where we're going to help others mm-hmm. like the hardest things you went through are now the things that you and your tour are going to help others overcome yeah. and so it's almost as i get older now I can say, I call it having the client experience. So if something not so great happens to me, I'm, but I'm going to be able to use this yes. for a client. is yes. going to have this and I'll know. And I don't even have to tell them that I had it. They'll just know that I did. I had the client experience. Because Beth, when you look at the client and your eyes glisten with this compassionate love and you smile gently and your whole body exudes this energy of, I know, I I've understand. I've been there, yeah. There's no judgment. You see, that's what Norma did for me that very first time. Yeah, she and stood in and she presence. was always gentle. Like that was an example of parenting, like the constant now, gentleness. Now she wasn't always gentle in the way she was always compassionate. Sometimes she'd say, shut up, little girl, because I'd be fighting her. And she'd go, shut up, little girl. Are you going to keep fighting or will I get up and go home? I just feel like it was a very subdued oh compared to the way absolutely. maybe others of us are sometimes. You have like to there realize was a when very, a person is She con- was in control of herself, I felt like. It wasn't like she was losing it. She oh, wasn't no. as strict as um, no. some other people would be, but she got the job done. And, and that's absolutely. good advice to other parents that you can through good boundaries and but it's through self-love. You see, she was she had worked with herself enough and loved herself enough that the the essence of her was this way. I used to watch her and Garrett, that was her husband. Are they really this way? And I'd watch her and she yeah. was always that way 24/7. Yeah. Like, when are, I lived is with it her. an act? Can it be real? Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you embody some of that now for sure, if not all of it. I haven't met her, but you oh, seem I to do. have that energy. Yes. And then um there's something I was an English major bathos where you go from the sublime to the mundane or the silly so that's what we're about to do because I always have the joke of the day usually it's a lawyer joke but this one I just thought of the other day for some reason and it's a 90 year old couple getting a divorce now I haven't had that that yet I haven't had people in their 80s getting divorced for sure and probably beyond the mid, but I have not had people in their 90s or over 100 getting divorced yet. But everyone asked them, why are you getting divorced in your 90s? And they said, well, we were thinking of the children and we didn't want to hurt them, so we decided to wait until they died. So that's my joke of the day. That's a good one. And then we're going to segue into our question of the day, which is our next podcast will be about estate planning, probably. And so I just have a question about 
Why is it important to have a good estate plan or some sort of succession planning at the end of your life? And just if you have any input, obviously that's not your field. You're not an estate planning professional per se, but do you have any thoughts on that? Well, when I was a personal banker for 14 years, I had clients come in and their parents had died and they had not left a will. They had not left any kind of direction of what they wanted for their estate and all of their belongings. And I saw more than one person spend up to two years collecting data, calling companies, following the trail of, oh, this this one man, he literally had bank accounts and investments in every bank in Colorado. That was a nightmare. The time and the energy and the effort that it takes those that are left behind is ridiculous even before they get to court. So I recommend that you do have an active will, a trust, a plan of what, even if you don't have a lot, what is going to be done after you pass. Well, it's you, kind. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I talked over you, but you were saying it's kind. And yes. I agree, and you nailed it. That is, <laughs> I couldn't say it better myself. And oh. it really is a gift to the next generation to mm-hmm. have them understand what you wanted and what you own and what you owe and where to find things and your intentions, not just in your will, which you're deceased, but also in your living will and your powers of attorney, because as you age, you might not be able to make some of these choices or if you have an illness and it's such a gift that they can see your intentions. Right, here I'm a healthy woman, I'm 67, I have a trust, my book proceeds, all of those things go to my three sons. I have one son, he is the estate planner, he's the one that is the rep, he's the POA, he's everything in case I get ill, which I doubt is going to happen to me. I plan to just pass on like Queen Elizabeth. Oh my gosh, yeah, she just passed away and it was... Okay, she's 96, I believe, yes. but for some reason it was a blind side to me. Like, I guess I, I apparently she'd be at least 100. Yeah, I thought, oh, she's got more time. Charles will never be a king, and no, it's just going to go on and on. Her mother was 102. Yeah, so and I thought, I, 96, God, she died early. <laughs> well, I think Prince Philip was even 99, but it, yes. yeah, but she did have a very long reign, and I was a little bit she surprised. Was tired. Yeah, well, she certainly held that throne for quite some time so i guess she was kind of on the school of the two people who got divorced at 90. so now on to the next charles and queen camilla yeah i don't even know how that works and i don't even want to think about it (laughs) so funny (laughs) but yeah yeah but i agree with you that that is a gift to the next generation and Mm -hmm. people who don't take care of it leave a big mess and they don't realize it People don't want to do their estate plan because they don't want to think about their death. There must be something, I think, in the brain that just switches off. Like, I don't want to talk about that. It's part of mass consciousness. Avoid death. Don't think about it. Exactly. Because if you, I mean, yeah, that's something that you don't want to dwell on every single day, all day long. And so when they make that appointment to do it, I think they're just anything but. And so we kind of have to nudge them along gently hopefully in a normal like way yes before they start to get dementia and they before they oh, get ill it's the saddest i've had so many wills this month of people who are very ill mm-hmm. and um we will rush those through but it's been a lot and that's not what you want to be doing especially we have people on their last end of life doing their mm-hmm. wills and even though they did do it before they passed away. I don't think that was how they wanted to spend the end of life, meeting with me. They probably had other things they would rather be doing on their last days than, well, I never did get around to it. So um, yeah, very well put. Well, that is our podcast. And I want people to know how to get in touch with you, how to find out about you and everything Serena. So they can go to my website, IamSerena.net. They can send me an email through my website to ask questions. They can order my book on my website, or they can go to Amazon, which is much easier for me and for them. <laughs> um, it's it's in three, four different languages, so if you want to read Romanian or Polish or um, Spanish, you can. But it's I Am Serena, and it's on Amazon as well. 
Um, the breathing sessions are there. A lot of my podcasts are there. You can also Google my name, Serena Faith Masterson, and see other interviews and shows that I've done. Well, I'm sure you helped a lot of people, including me. I highly recommend the book. It was thank important you. to me. I've read it, and I got more than I anticipated, as I mentioned. So thanks for writing it, and thanks for being my guest. Thank you. Um, my law firm is Anderson Law PC. I like to say it's Anderson with an E for excellent. And... Um, it's kind of funny because I'm remarried now. I'm divorced and remarried, and his last name is Filson. So now I have an E-N and an O-N just to make it as confusing <laughs> as possible. But um, I am Bethlyn Anderson with an E. JD.com is my website. My personal cell phone, believe it or not, is 303-808-4794. I give it out all the time. I haven't had any bad experiences from doing that. And so check out our website um, and we do have podcasts and I've done some great videos. I have to give a shout out to the Sealies. We're in their cool house right now and um, they have made wonderful videos for me that, um, believe it or not, when people come and meet with me for their first intake, they're, oh, this lady yesterday, we have so much in common. I just felt drawn to you. We are so much alike. Because of my videos, they really think they know me, and they do. So hats off to the Sealies. And um, in conclusion, as I mentioned, when life takes a twist or turn and it feels like a breakup, really, it's not the end of your journey. You're breaking upward. Thanks for joining us.